Well, Merry Christmas. It is good to have you with us this morning, whether you're joining us in person or you're online. My name's Tim. I get the privilege of being the lead pastor here, and uh, we are just humbled that you would give up an hour of your week to be with us. Uh, Shepherd's Gate is a church that loves to open God's word and to allow God to speak to our hearts and our lives, especially this time of the year, wouldn't you say? Uh, When there's so many distractions going on, anybody a little distracted out there? Anybody having an easy December? No? Nobody? Wow, not one hand went up. Think of that. Think of the poor, miserable state we all live in. I mean, not state of Michigan, the mental state that we live in. (laughs) What was that yesterday, by the way? 60 degrees and then 20? We live in a weird place. Can we just acknowledge that? Right? Thanks be to God that when we get to heaven, it's going to be 80 and sunny every single day, if you didn't know. It's in Revelation. No, it's not in the book of the Bible, so just kidding. But we're so glad to have you here, and we actually are in a series of messages uh, that we're calling Worth It. And so last week, if you were here last week, if you weren't, I'll catch you up. We were talking about waiting and how difficult it is for us to wait. Those of you that were here last week or you were joining us online, did you do any better this week waiting? Again, not one person raised their hand for this one. All right, think of that. It's so hard for us to wait, but we acknowledge that we're glad that we're on this side of the Christmas account, that God has already sent his son Jesus to this earth. And not only has he been born, but he's died for us. And even though this took place 2,000 years ago, we rejoice in the fact that we have the, the scriptures, that we can read the accounts, and that at Christmas time, what happens is we go back into history and we see what's already been done for us. And so the waiting for us now who claim faith in Jesus is we wait for Jesus to come back for once and for all and to take us to be with him forever and ever. And even last week as we prayed that he would come, he obviously didn't come, which is why we're here this morning. Did you know that? And so we're going to pray that he comes this week. And if he doesn't come this week, they'll just come back to church next Sunday, okay? And if he doesn't come back next Sunday, then I'll see you all on Christmas Eve. How does that sound? All right. So that's what he's called us to do, is pray and to continue to do that. Well, today we're going to be looking at this whole idea of miracles. Miracles. So let me ask you this. Do you believe in miracles? You guys are so quick on that. Take your time. Like, do you really believe in miracles? Have you seen God do miracles in your life? And maybe you're here and you're saying, there's a lot of people saying yes and they seem very you know, affirmative in that, but I don't know if that's true for me. I don't know if I believe in miracles. And what's so interesting as you read the scriptures, and if you're unfamiliar with this, the, the, the account of Jesus' birth is only found in two of the four gospels. We have four gospel accounts. It's only found in Matthew and Luke. And even scriptures prophesying about Jesus' birth are just in a few of the Old Testament books. So there's not a ton of you know, text or information about what actually took place. But what's interesting is you actually have to believe in miracles to believe any of the account of how God brought his son into the world. And not only do you have to believe in the, in the huge miracle of what God did in that moment, you have to believe in all sorts of tiny miracles along the way. But I would submit to you that's how God works. That God works through big events, but he also works through the mundane, the small moments of life. And if we are willing to stop long enough and pause not long enough and look around and see where he's at work, I think we would be surprised how many miracles we actually experience 
on a daily basis. Did you know that? See, we live in a time when our faith is being challenged. And maybe in your season of life, you're looking back and you're saying, well, you know, I learned this when I was in, you know, Sunday school. I learned this when I grew up in church or I learned this from my grandparents. But I don't know if I actually believe this anymore. I don't know if I really believe what what the Bible says or these scriptures. I mean, it's nice that we read them and, you know, they give us warm fuzzies and all that. but, But I'm not sure if I really want to follow everything that is presented before me. And I'm so glad you're here because I don't think anybody's here by accident. And I know this. I know how powerful our God is, that he's the one that orchestrates the events of human history, that you would be here today or you're watching online and you would hear these words, which is the gospel message. We're gonna read through part of the Christmas account and this is what I know. And it's not me. It's God's word that has the power to change and transform your life. And that the Holy Spirit is at work in this moment. And believe it or not, God is calling you to himself. God wants to be in a relationship with you. God wants to give you the confidence to be able to stand and say, I do believe this. Unashamedly, I believe what the scriptures teach. Amen? So I want you to think about this as well. What is the miracle of Christmas? And sometimes it can get confusing. Sometimes it gets clouded because there's other characters outside of the Bible. Parents, do you know what I'm talking about? Some guy with a big white beard likes to wear red. Kids that are in here, do you know what I'm talking about? Thank you over here. And so that sometimes, you know, trying to figure out and navigate, okay, what do we teach about this and what do we say about this? Parents and grandparents, and I'm so glad there's some kids and teenagers in here, I'm challenging you today as well to hear these words, to hear these scriptures, to ask God to confirm in your heart who you is and how precious you are in his sight. So let's go to God's word together. We're gonna be looking at Luke chapter one. There's chair Bibles in front of you if you're comfortable uh, grabbing one of them. If you're in the front row, they're underneath the seat. If you're watching online, go ahead and grab the Bible that's in your home. And if you don't have a Bible, do us this favor. We'd love to give you this as a Christmas gift. Take one of our Bibles home with you today. Uh, we would uh, be honored to be able to do that for you. But Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, we're going to read to verse 38. This is what God says. This is what God inspired Luke to write. That in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, okay, stop right there. Now we're already talking about angels, right? You have to believe in miracles to believe in angels, okay? Was sent from God, now we have something coming from a deity, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And if you dig into this whole idea of Nazareth, you find out that it's the most insignificant town in Jesus' time. It's not even mentioned in the Old Testament. Nothing's even even talked about other than when you dig into the, the history of it, you find out it's the poorest town in the community. And people there were, weren't very wealthy, they weren't educated. In fact, it was a mix of a lot of different people because when Jesus came into the world, the world was actually very segregated. And only certain groups of people hung out with the people that looked like them and talked like them and behaved like them. And so here you find this obscure town that's not like anyone else, and there's a virgin that's pledged to a man whose name was Joseph. He happens to be of the house of David, and the virgin's name is Mary. So here we have it, the Christmas account, Mary and Joseph. It says, and he came to her and said, this is the angel, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. 
wouldn't it be nice to hear that you're favored by God? Do you believe that you're favored by God? That God loves you so much that he actually, even with the difficulties that you've experienced in your life, has blessed you? And do you ever, again, pause long enough to think to yourself, maybe I'm actually blessed more than I deserve. Maybe the blessings that I have, I, I, I don't even realize because I'm so busy filling up my schedule with always the next thing and the next thing and the next thing that I never stop long enough to actually look around and to count the blessings that God has already given me in my life. Christmas is a great time to do that. So he says that to her, and she, on the other hand, is greatly troubled at the saying, and she's trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, if an angel appeared to you or to me, we would probably all be a little disturbed, right? Mary's 12 or 14 years old, somewhere in there at this time. She's a young lady, and out of all the people that were living on the planet at this time, God chooses to show up to her in the form of an angel and to speak to her, someone that she can see, someone that she can hear, someone that she can actually interact with. Think of a miracle that's taking place in this moment. And the angel says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You're it, Mary. You're God's chosen one. And here's what's really cool, Mary. You bring nothing to the equation. God didn't pick you because of your education. God didn't pick you because he needed you to help fund Jesus and buy his baby food and buy him the coolest, you know, car seats and high-top carriers and all those things. Not high, what's a high-top carrier? <laughs> what am I talking about? What's the fancy thing that we had for the kids? High chair. High chair. <laughs> I only said that because we had a high-end high chair at our house, all right? High chair. She, didn't have, he, she wasn't going to bring anything to the equation. God was going to have to do it all for her. And you have found favor with God. And he goes on to say this, listen to this, and behold, you're going to conceive in your womb, and you're going to bear a son, and you're going to call his name Jesus. Man, how awesome is God? What a moment. What a time in history to be a young woman women that were kind of pushed aside during this time, women that weren't respected, women that couldn't own land, all of those cultural things that we know. And here the God of the universe sends an angel to tell her that she's favored, that she's loved. And oh, by the way, you're gonna be the one that's gonna be used to bring my son into this world. What a precious moment. How incredible our God is. And not only so, guess what? I'm even going to tell you that it's a son, and I've already named him for you. You don't even have to buy the, the, the book of names. You don't even have to stress about that with anybody. His name's going to be Jesus. Imagine how ecstatic she must have been. And he goes on to say he's going to be great. He's actually going to be called the Son of the Most High. This is God himself. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob, all these Old Testament references, forever. And of his kingdom, there's going to be no end. That what is going to start with you, Mary, will go on for all eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Try to wrap your mind around that. The magnitude of this. And think about this, congregation. This is for you today. 
These words are comfort for you today that God has sent his son to this earth for you so that you could live with him forever and ever and ever and ever. And again, if you're struggling with your faith, if you're new to faith, listen to these words. God sent his son for you. He loves you. He wanted you to hear this message. The good news of who Jesus Christ is that you could live with him forever and ever and ever and ever. All eternity. Of course, as Mary's pondering these things, as she's trying to figure these things out, it only makes sense to ask the angel, well, how are you going to do this? I'm a virgin. How is this all going to take place? And the angel answers her. He says this, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is going to come upon you, and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And do you like how the angel just stays on task? He just stays on mission over and over again. You realize this is going to be the Most High. This is the Son of God, that he is going to rule and reign forever and ever. I love this. Because it's in this that we also see our God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That any Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church will tell you that God is in three persons, but yet one God. In our human minds, it's really difficult for us to fully grasp what that means, but over and over again, In the scriptures, that's what we are taught, that God is a father, that he is in the son, and that he is the Holy Spirit. In fact, you can go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, in the very first verse where we see God creating the heavens and the earth. And in that moment, while he still hasn't unleashed all of his creative powers, that the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, is actually hovering over the face of the waters the Holy Spirit there at the beginning in creation. Later on, when he's creating man, he says that let us make man in our image, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And again, God's plan from the very beginning, always unfolding his plan in his time and in his way. See, Matthew chimes in on this as well. Matthew confirms what Luke has written, and he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And in Matthew's account, he simply goes back and he quotes Isaiah, this prophecy, think about this, that was 700 years old. It is going to be fulfilled, and it's going to be fulfilled in their time. See, the greatest miracle that we celebrate at Christmas is what we call the incarnation. That God became flesh. Think about that for a moment. Look down at your own human flesh. Some of us are getting older, aren't we? Even our hands are a little wrinklier than they used to be. Some of you, as you're looking down at your hands, you need to trim your nails, right? Flip over your hands. Look at your hands. That the God of the universe, the God that created heaven and earth, became flesh. What an awesome miracle. What an an incredible thing to be able to just stop and to celebrate once again this Christmas. 
God, thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you for what you have done for the entire world, that we don't even keep this to ourselves, that our job is to go and to tell others of this incredible miracle that you have done for all of mankind. John puts it this way. He says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That not only was Jesus born, I want you to think about this, that God was so patient that he knew how to wait even though we struggle with waiting. That God was willing to be in a womb for nine months. That he would, that he would experience every facet of humanity. That the God of the universe when he was born was willing to be a baby that had to be reliant on other human beings to survive. Others to change his diapers. Others to feed him. Others to do all the things that we know that parents have to do for their children. That the God of the universe was willing to be a toddler. Some of you, you're like up to here with your toddlers, aren't you, right? You're like, you're just hoping they make it to Christmas. The toddlers that then turn into the other T word, teenagers. Jesus was a teenager. Teenagers in the room, isn't that incredible? He knows what you're going through. He knows how dark the world is because he was born at a time when the world wasn't all right either. He was born at a time during uh, some pretty tough and intense persecution of human beings when innocent people were losing their lives. And yet he came. He came because he had a mission. He came because he wanted to save the earth. Teenagers that are in here, listen to me, I know these times are tough. I know emotionally and mentally and trying to navigate this and make sense of this and, and, and figuring out what your next steps are. Can I just tell you this? It doesn't make sense. It's hard to grapple with this. And the feelings and the emotions that you have, they are real. And you are allowed to have them. And I want you to know that we are here for you. We continue to pray for you. We actually pray that God would protect your minds and that God would protect your heart. And I want you to know today that God is still at work in your life, that he's still at work in, in your circles of friends, that he's still at work in your schools, and that you do have a future in him. God loves you, and he has never stopped working in your life. This is important. Jesus Christ is therefore true God, existing with the Father from eternity, and he's also a true man, born of the Virgin Mary, Therefore, listen to this, Jesus Christ is true God and he's true man. Both natures. Both natures. And the reason that we're emphasizing this today, because again, we live in a world where time goes on and people begin to question things and pe people begin to say, well, maybe there really isn't a God. Maybe Jesus was just an historical figure that was really good at outreach and you know, but he sinned as well. And then there's writings about, oh, maybe he was married or maybe this or that. And there are all these other things come in, all these external factors. And here's the key. Always go back to the word of God. Always read what it is that's been handed down to us from scriptures and what we believe. And you can stand on that promise. You can stand on the word of God because the word of God is what's living and active. The word of God is what actually has the power to change and transform your life. And that's why it's so important to hear these words today. See, not only did Jesus need to be born, not only did he need to be a baby that turned into a toddler that turned into a teenager, 
He also needed to be turned into a man. The purpose of the miraculous incarnation of the Son of God was so that God could reconcile the whole world to himself. That at 30 years old, I want you to think about this, that he would take his first step and begin to perform miracles. Isn't it interesting? God waited until he was 30 years old. So if you're 22 years old in here, or you're 25 years old, or you're 29 years old, and you're beating yourself up, thinking I'm not gonna amount to anything in this world, you got tons of time ahead of you, okay? Even if you're 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old, God can still do a work in your heart and your life, amen? He has never stopped working on any of us. Don't beat yourself up. Realize how much God loves you and continues to work in your life as well. This is interesting because the account goes on by saying this, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her seasoned age, <laughs> like how I did that? See, Luke's a doctor, so he can use doctor terms, okay? Has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, a relative who never ever thought that she was going to have children. And here God performs a miracle, not just in sending his son, but also in this relative. That God loved Mary so much that he would give her Elizabeth, that he would give her somebody else to walk alongside with her and women in here that have been pregnant. And isn't it fun when you have somebody else that can be pregnant with you, right? And that Elizabeth also, because the angel came to her husband, found out that she too was having a son, so not only are they both pregnant together, they both get to plan a gender reveal party together. <laughs> I mean, think of the love God has for them. Always working and orchestrating his plan. But this is what's most important. What does it say? For nothing will be impossible with God. Again, do we believe that to be true? Is nothing impossible for God? Or do you believe that your life is too complex? That you've sinned too many times? That you've asked to, to, for forgiveness of the same thing over and over again and you just feel like God has just gotten tired of hearing the same confession so therefore there's no more grace or mercy left for you. Can I tell you today, even if you have never experienced a miracle before, can I tell you this? The miracle of Jesus' birth is for you. It's for you. God sent Jesus for all of us, to redeem all of us, to show us the love that he has for all of us. It's that simple. That ultimately he would lead Jesus through a series of events for three years from 30 to 33. That ultimately Jesus would be led to a cross. That he would stretch out his hands and as people are mocking him, his very creation, as he's experiencing everything that we experience in the flesh, including the agony of physical pain and emotional pain as the insults are hurled upon him, that ultimately he would breathe his last death. He's already experienced what death feels like. And he would die. So that three days later, he could take that step out of that tomb and declare victory over this dark world. He could declare victory over the, uh, uh, Satan and he could de declare victory over our sins. That's God at work. That's God at work in our lives. That's the gospel message for you and for me every single Christmas. So again, 
Is he still performing miracles today? And you know the, one of the greatest miracles that we can see is when people come to faith. It's when people come to faith. One of the greatest miracles that we can see is when people come to faith. And I can tell you this, what we believe about our God and what we believe that is written in the scriptures, we are gonna continue to be in a time when they are gonna be tested. Did you know that? People are gonna continue to poke and they're gonna prod and they're gonna say, nope, this isn't it. Nope, the church got it wrong for 2,000 years. Nope, you're crazy for even believing this. And what's so interesting is I was reminded this week of a saint that lived back in 325 AD. 325 years after the birth of Christ. His name was Saint Nicholas. And he had a big white beard and liked to wear red robes. And he was living at a time when people were beginning to challenge the validity of the Trinity. And there was another religious leader that was living at the same time as him that was questioning whether Jesus was actually equal with God the Father. And he began to teach people that no, he's not equal, that he was created from God. And see, what you call that is a slippery slope because when you begin to mess with the doctrines and the teachings of the church and you begin to question what it is that God has actually given us in his word, that's the first step to then saying, okay, so if he was created by God, maybe he isn't God. And if he's not God, then maybe Mary wasn't a virgin. If Mary wasn't a virgin, then maybe he didn't live a sinless life. If he didn't live a sinless life, then maybe he couldn't die on the cross and be the spotless sacrifice without sin for us. Do you see where I'm going with this? And here's the crazy tradition in all of this. This is church history, and we don't know if this is true or not because it's not written in the Bible, that as they are debating this, they were actually called to a council in Nicaea And so these religious leaders are debating and this guy named St. Nicholas got so upset with the other guy that he actually slapped him in the face. Isn't that cool? (laughs) We don't condone this, by the way, kids. (laughs) And so maybe the next time you're at the mall and you see that guy with a white beard and red clothes, you pull your kids aside and say, let me tell you, let me tell you the history of that dude right there. It far exceeds giving gifts to kids. He stood for truth. He stood for what it is that the Bible teaches. And today what we're gonna do, two cool things that are coming up. One, we're gonna say the words of the Nicene Creed because out of this time period in 325, the church was so insistent that they pass on the correct doctrine to the next generation that they wrote the Nicene Creed. And see, here at Shepherd's Gate, one of our practices is to say the Apostles' Creed, but we also believe, actually, in the Nicene Creed and in the Athanasian Creed. And so we haven't actually said the Nicene Creed here in a long time. And so what I want to do is not have you say something that maybe you're not familiar with. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read it to you. How's the sound? And then as you read this, first of all, I want you to think through the lens of what they were dealing with and how they wanted to make sure that Jesus was equal with God the Father. And secondly, I want you to think of the miracle that took place, that that correct doctrine has made it to us today in 2021, that I would be proclaiming to you who our true God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then after I read this to you, if you're comfortable doing this, if you agree with this, then together we'll say it as one congregation. Sound good? All right, I want you to look at these words. 
This is what it says. This is 325 A.D. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God. And I'll have you know they chose this word begotten on purpose. Begotten, not made. You see the emphasis? Being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made. For who us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. You see the scriptures over and over again in this. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins and I look for the resurrection of the dead in the life of the world to come. Amen. How about that for something to stand on, huh? I get you fired up this morning? Parents in here, you have a responsibility to teach this and to proclaim this in your homes to your kids. Grandparents, and I know some of you, you've been smuggling your grandkids because you're not happy with the way your kids have been behaving with them spiritually, right? You can do this too. Teach them. Let them know what it is that God says in his word that we continue to proclaim who our God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So let's say these words together if you're comfortable saying them with me. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. And was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. Isn't there such a release when you declare your faith? Amen. And not only so, but we are going to end our time together with a baptism. 
We are gonna watch God at work in the waters of baptism. Every single time a child is brought to the waters of baptism, we get to see God perform a miracle, amen? And so you please welcome the family as they come at this time.